0: You are Locked On Jets, your daily New York Jets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Jets podcast for Monday, February 8th, 2021. I'm your host, John B. from gangreennation.com. This is a daily podcast covering the New York Jets. We have new episodes each day, Monday through Friday for most of the year. If you enjoy this show, subscribe to it where podcasts are found. And once new episodes are posted each day, they will be automatically delivered to your device. And leave the show a good review if you like what you hear. That helps us out. Of course, today our focus is not on the New York Jets, it is on Super Bowl 55, a game that had a lot of hype, and I think it is safe to say the game did not live up to it. In recent years, we have been treated to competitive Super Bowls most of the time. You know, if you go back to like the 1990s, the 1980s, there were lots of blowouts, uh, It was an era where the NFC really dominated the NFL, so year after year, you were watching uncompetitive Super Bowls for the most part. In recent years, that has been different. This was an exception, though. This was not a good game at all. This is up there with the game in the Meadowlands seven years ago between the Seahawks and the Broncos, as far as recent Super Bowls go, being totally, totally uncompetitive, and it's funny because it did snow a bit in the Northeast on Sunday. And I remember heading into that game between the Broncos and the Seahawks in the Meadowlands. Of course, it was a cold weather Super Bowl in the New York area. There were there were lots of concerns about how the weather would be. And it turned out to be a pretty nice mild day in New York. And then the next day, there was a big snowstorm. Um, of course, weather was not a factor this year in Tampa, but this game was really really uncompetitive. A really good performance by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, defeating the Kansas City Chiefs 31-9, to and as I mentioned, really just a no-show by the Chiefs. Dominated in every phase of the game, And a team that you saw lose their composure throughout many points in this game. Chiefs got off... To the early early lead, the teams traded a couple punts. The Bucks got the ball to start. Chiefs forced a three and out. The Chiefs then were forced to punt themselves. Then they forced another Tampa Bay punt. They put together an eight play field goal drive. It ended though on a third down play, where Patrick Mahomes threw, did a good job evading pressure, moved to his left, and threw threw a ball into the end zone that went through Tyreek Hill's hands, and Hill did not come up with that ball. The Chiefs were forced to settle for a field goal, and part of me wonders whether the game would have gone differently if Hill makes that catch, because the Chiefs just seem very tentative. They seemed unsure of themselves on offense. If you were watching their body language through much of the game, and you wonder whether maybe if they had gotten into a rhythm on offense, maybe they would have moved the ball a little bit better. Maybe they would have been able to use tempo and tire out some of the Tampa Bay pass rushers who dominated the game. We'll never know. But from that point, it was pretty much all Tampa Bay. The Bucks went down the field on the next series and scored a touchdown. And after some early struggles, again, they punted on their first two drives. They kind of got the screen game working. And that's what got their offense into rhythm on that drive. Tom Brady found Rob Gronkowski for an eight-yard touchdown. And the ball. the Bucks were off and running. They forced a three and out. And then there was a sequence on the next series that seemed like it could have turned the game around in the, a positive direction for Kansas City. And the Bucks were really set up on this series because it was a terrible punt. The, the Chiefs had a 27-yard punt, um, so the field position was not flipped at all. Bucks went right down the field, and they ended up with second and goal from the Kansas City 2. And Tampa Bay ran a pass to a tackle and Anthony Hitchens broke it up at the last second, and then on third and goal from the two, and fourth and goal from the one, the Chiefs got a stop on run plays, and it seemed like maybe that would turn things around. Yeah, you know, that was a big play because it's seven three, and the Chiefs were on the verge of being, you know, down two scores, and they got a big stop, and they ended up not being able to do anything with it. They 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 did put together a first down, but on the third and eight. Travis Kelsey dropped the ball from Patrick Mahomes. Part of the story of this game, the Chiefs receivers you know, not coming up with plays when they are there to be made. The Bucks got the ball back, and this was another ugly sequence by Kansas City because they punted the ball away, and they actually had a great punt that flipped field position, a 56-yard punt and only a three-yard return, but the Chiefs got called for holding. And the ensuing punt was only a 29-yarder, and the, the Bucks got the ball at the Kansas City 38-yard line, and they put together a touchdown drive, but they were, they put together a touchdown drive that included an interception on a third down play getting wiped off by a defensive holding call, which I thought was a little bit of a shaky call, but then a fourth down play where the Bucks are settling for a field goal gets nullified by an offside penalty, and the Bucks get a first down out of it, and the Chiefs lined up in the neutral zone on a field goal. I mean, that's inexcusable in a Super Bowl. And on the next play, Brady found Gronkowski again, 17 yards for a touchdown. On the next sequence, and this this sequence near the end of the half was really, I think, critical, the Chiefs got the ball back with, oh, around six minutes left in the first half. And they put together a drive. They, they ended up with a field goal. And you could tell they were being very deliberate with it, what they really wanted to do. At this point of the game, they're down 14 to 3 and they were trying to put together a touchdown drive but they were also trying to run out the time in the f- in the half you could cuz you could tell there was there was not a lot of urgency with their play they were really running the play clock down they did not want to give Ch- Tampa Bay a chance with the ball before the half and they were looking to have one of those classic series because they were receiving the ball in the second half they wanted to score a touchdown to cut it to 14-10 before the half then get the ball back at the start of the second half and score well they had to, they ended up kicking a field goal And there was about a minute left in the first half when uh, Tampa Bay got the ball back. So it was 14-6. And on the first play, Tampa Bay kind of runs a give-up play. They run Leonard Fournette into the line for no gain. And then the Chiefs called a timeout, and I could not get over. I did not like either team's approach to this. And normally I like being aggressive in this spot, but Kansas City was staggering. I mean, they were in trouble, and the Bucs were willing to let them run out the clock. I could not get over the fact the Bucs were were trying to run out the clock at the end of the first half. And yet the Chiefs called the timeout because they were trying to get the ball back. I disagreed with that because at that point of the game, and again, normally I like being aggressive, Chiefs were struggling. I mean, if you're the Chiefs right there, if I'm the Chiefs right there, I'm saying, you know what? If Tampa Bay is willing to run out the clock, I got a chance to go into the locker room and regroup. I'm down one score. I'm getting the ball back. Chiefs were aggressive, though. They called a quick timeout. So on second and 10, Brady hit... Uh, Chris Godwin for eight yards. So it's third and two. Chiefs call another timeout. Now, third and two, your defense has been struggling. I don't see how you call a timeout there. I disagreed with that call entirely. On third down, Brady hit Gronkowski for a five yard gain. And then there were some kind of suspect calls. Brady went deep down the left sidelines for Mike Evans. Uh, Breland was called for pass interference. Two plays later, and it was, I, I, oh man, it was another pass interference call I, I don't know about. I, I thought it was another kind of shaky call. Um, Leonard Fournette uh, ran, uh, caught a pass for 15 yards on the next play. And then there was another pass interference on Tyron Matthew in the end zone. <sighs> another <laughs> call I thought was kind of shaky. I mean, in the preview show, and my preview show was wrong on a lot of stuff. One of the things I, I felt when the when I said that I felt the Chiefs could handle the Bucs receivers one-on-one in the defensive backfield, I was not counting on the, the referees being this flag-happy. I thought that they were very quick to throw flags. I thought that that was a shaky call. Uh, Brady then hit Antonio Brown for a one-yard touchdown, so it was 21-6 heading to the locker room. But you know what? Chiefs played a miserable half. They were not making plays. And while I thought some of those calls were questionable, I don't know why I disagreed with them playing it as aggressively as they did, calling those timeouts when they did. Chiefs came out in the second half and put together a seven-play drive, but they had to settle for a field goal. It was 21-9. And I felt like that was a drive. You know, I remember watching the game. Tony Romo said it was important to get points. I felt they needed a touchdown there. And six plays later, Bucks got the ball back. Leonard Fournette runs for a 27-yard touchdown. Um, on the next sequence, Mahomes throws an interception, a ball that uh, Tyreek Hill, I did not think, really put up much of a fight to get. I thought it was a catchable ball by Hill. He was just a non-factor in this game, total no-show by him. Uh, Ryan Suckup hit a 52-yard field goal. It was 31-9, and then I mean, that was pretty much it. I mean, the Chiefs put together a couple drives but could not score, um, and the Bucks ran out the clock, and they won the Super Bowl, their second Super Bowl in franchise history. The NFL season's now over, but there are other sports taking place, and there's only one place that has you covered, betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action, and don't forget to use that promo code. It's LOCKEDON, one word, no space, L-O-C-K-E-T-O-N, to receive a 50% welcome bonus with with your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. This is the Locked On Jets podcast after a Super Bowl blowout as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeated the Kansas City Chiefs 31 to 9 in Tampa Bay. The Buccaneers win their first championship in 18 years and their second in franchise history. The Chiefs are denied a repeat and, you know, this game came down to, to a couple factors. And, you know, the obvious one, Tom Brady playing really well again, wins his fifth Super Bowl MVP, three touchdown passes, you know, the, adding to the legend. I mean, I, I don't know how much more we need to say about that. Uh, my vote for MVP, though, may have gone to Shaq Barrett. Now, Barrett only had one sack in this game, but he destroyed the Chiefs up front. And so did Jason, Pierre, the, Paul, Jason Pierre-Paul. But Shaq Barrett, they just could not block him all night. You know, for three years, really, this Kansas City offense has looked unstoppable. But we saw a different looking Kansas City offense in this game. And a lot of that came down to the Chiefs playing backup tackles that could not hold up against the edge rushers, edge rushers of Tampa Bay. And if you go back to the preview show I did Friday, I got pretty much everything wrong except for one thing. The one thing I did get right is that you did see a lot of too high looks from Tampa Bay at the safety position. And that took away the deep ball and the Chiefs could not block up front. So they just could not get guys open deep. And there were still times where Patrick Mahomes evaded the pressure and put a ball that was kind of on the money with plays that could be made, but the plays were not made. You know, this game was as close to a no show for Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey as you can get. I mean, those guys had opportunities to make plays that could have changed momentum in the game. And they just did not come up with them. You know, as I mentioned, Kelsey dropped one on a third down in the first half. In the second half, he was out fought for a ball by Levante David. I think he'll, you know, I mentioned the play on the, on the, in the first quarter where the ball went through his hands in the end zone. And there were I thought there were at least two other big plays that were there to be made for him that were in the area where he could have fought for the ball better and just did not get it done. But ultimately, I mean, I think that this was kind of a microcosm of the night for Kansas City where you just saw a Chiefs team that felt like they did not have composure. And at, at halftime, there was lots of complaints, especially from Chiefs fans about the officiating. And as I mentioned, I think there were some calls that were kind of suspect. You know, this is the Super Bowl. We're not coming here to watch the officials throw flags. And I think some of their calls in the Kansas City defensive backfield were shaky. But the Chiefs were heavily penalized in the first half. And it wasn't just shaky calls on pass interference plays. As I mentioned, Chiefs lining up in the neutral zone on a fourth down play, you had a couple bad penalties. Chris Jones taking a penalty for taking a whack at Ryan Jensen. That, I mean, that's a call that gets made hundred times out of a hundred. You had Tyron Matthew kind of melting down emotionally at the end of the first half. I mean, even the Chiefs punter was shaky. I mentioned he 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 uh, had a couple really short kicks that failed to flip field position at key spots, and he also dropped it. he also dropped a snap on a punt. It just kind of felt like the Chiefs were really rattled in this game. And as much as anything, Andy Reid receives a lot of credit for his offensive innovations. But if you go back to his time with Philadelphia, there's always been one big criticism of his play calling, and that's that sometimes he gets away from the run when it's a game where he really needs to run the ball more. And that, you know, as I'm talking about this, the Bucs were playing cover two all night, so which meant that there were extra running lanes up front. You know, they were not dropping an extra safety into the box, the light boxes that, that the Chiefs needed to run into. And not only that, the Chiefs could not protect Mahomes at all. You have to try and make some sort of adjustment to slow down the pass rush. And the whole, I thought the whole point of them drafting Clyde Edwards-Elaire in the first round of last year's draft was for games like this, where maybe they needed to run the ball a little bit more, slow down the pass rush, try and wear down the other team's defensive front. You know, if you're going to play your safeties deep and play a light box, that's when you start running the ball. And Edwards Hilaire, I believe, had four carries in the first half. And then the first series of the second half where the Chiefs got their field goal, they started getting him to work a little bit. But the drive kind of ran out of steam and they they were forced to kick a field goal. Then Tampa Bay scored a touchdown to go up 28-9 in the third quarter, and the run game was kind of out the window. And I just don't think they did enough in the first half. I was really surprised they did not try and establish the run a little bit more when they were having such issues up front and the receivers were not making plays. And, you know, I was surprised they did not try and do more as I mentioned, Hill was very quiet. You know, they really struggled with some of those double teams that they got, some of the too deep looks they got. I was surprised they did not do more to try and manufacture touches for Hill, try and get him the ball in space a little bit more. You know, I don't think that this was really a particularly well-called game by Kansas City's offense, by Reed and Eric Bieniemy. But ultimately, you know, you look at this game, and while I'm sure some people will talk about the officiating, look, the officiating was not the difference in this game. This was just a full-fledged blowout. The Chiefs, were dominated in all three phases. The Bucks played a great game. You know, as I mentioned, you know, when you're talking about Brady, Fournette ripping off some runs in the second half. Up front, they're dominating defensively and on special teams. The Chiefs were making mistakes. The Bucks were not. And you know, ultimately, this leads to a game that was a big disappointment. I, I look. I'll be honest with you. I was rooting for Kansas City. I was rooting against Brady, but ultimately, in a game like this, more than anything, I just want an enjoyable game. I want something exciting. I want something that goes into the fourth quarter, where everything's on the line. And we really did not get that. Um, And it was really, I think, as much as anything, it was that sequence I talked about a little bit earlier, uh, late second, early third, where the Bucks just broke the game open. And from that point on, there was not a lot of drama. I mean, really, I think the only drama that was left in the second half was which Super Bowl commercial would be the best. And, you know, I think this was actually a really strong year for Super Bowl commercials, so at least we had some of those. But, you know, not, not a very enjoyable game. A real, really just a total no-show for Kansas City in a game that we were looking forward to for two weeks Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever, and the improved Built Bar is even more delicious. There are now 18 amazing flavors, 6 new flavors. They are caramel, brownie, cookies and cream, cherry, barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. And right now, if you go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on, you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, that's promo code locked on. It's one word. L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N with no space. And you get 20% off at Biltbar. B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R dot com. This is the Locked On Jets podcast, the day after Super Bowl 55. The Buccaneers defeat the Chiefs 31-9 to in Tampa. No repeat for the Kansas City Chiefs. Super Bowl number seven for Tom Brady who, you know, got to give him credit, just keeps doing it. Amazing that he keeps doing it into his 40s. I mean, he's not the guy he used to be in his prime, but he's still a, a guy who's good enough to lead his team to a Super Bowl in his 40s. It's frustrating yet remarkable. you got to tip your cap to him. Um, some Jets ties uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, of course. Former Jets head coach Todd Bowles. The defensive coordinator who came up with the game plan that stifled the Chiefs. And you know, give Bulls credit. You know, obviously it did not work out here. Is he had coaching material in the NFL? Did not do a great job with the Jets. I think any objective observer would agree with that. Will he do better if he gets another chance? Who knows? But a guy who is legitimately a great defensive coordinator and really showed the world that once again on Sunday night and Steve McClendon, who was a guy who was a leader in the locker room for the Jets for about four and a half years and was a member of the New York Jets up until, you know, around the midway point of the season. Who would have thought that a guy who started the season, I mean, can you have a bigger jump from starting the season with the 2020 New York Jets and then going to the team that wins the Super Bowl? So, guy, you know, even if you're frustrated with Brady winning like I am, I think you have to be happy to see Steve McClendon win a championship because that guy was a really solid member of the New York Jets for years and was a really good influence, you know, helped a lot of young guys in the locker room along the way. And, you know, I think even people around the team will still tell you that his influence will be felt will be felt with the Jets for years to come for the leadership he provided in the locker room. And there are a few other guys with Jets ties. Former Jets defensive coordinator Casey Rogers is part of the Tampa Bay defensive staff. And maybe not so much a guy with Jets ties, but I've always been a fan of Bruce Harry. And so I think is was a really good coach. And there's a part of me that's really happy to see him get his championship. You know, he retired a couple of years ago with Arizona. It seemed like he was not going to end up winning at all. And he will be remembered now as a Super Bowl winning coach. So That's just a personal one for me. I'm I'm a Bruce Arians fan. I've enjoyed you know, just a guy who is a unique character in the NFL, and I'm happy to see see him win a championship. And that ends the 2020 season. It was you know certainly not a good season for Jets fans. And although the Jets season ended weeks and weeks ago, this marks the official end of the 2020 NFL season, and now we can finally focus entirely on the offseason ahead, which should be an exciting one for the New York Jets. And we'll be here to talk about it every day here on the Locked on Jets podcast. That is the end of today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a great Monday, everybody. And we will be back tomorrow to talk more Jets.